1: A life coach and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art.
2: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And tonight I have Kayla and Paul with me. Hey, guys. (laughs) <laughs> Hello everybody. And we're going to be talking about intersex, being intersex. What it means, what intersex is, and kind of give a whole rundown of what it is to grow up being intersex. In fact, I was writing on that. I did a workshop earlier today on well, a Zoom meeting on gender and pronouns and working with gender diverse populations. And it's a really good one. And it kind of touched me and made me think of a lot of the things I'd gone through growing up, which was really pretty scary sometimes. (laughs) Some of the things doctors did, and I'll go into more details later. But anyway, would you like to kind of introduce what being intersex is and kind of talk a little bit about your story kayla sure i'd love to so from you know
3: my understanding and everybody's experience is pretty different but the intersex umbrella is effectively being born with some sort of some sort of setup or condition that makes it so that you can't easily be assigned male or female you know, as, as the doctors look at us as we're born and they say, hey, this one's a boy or this one's a girl. And uh, with that old fashioned binary that we followed for so many years, uh, <laughs> yeah. sometimes one of us is born and they say, well, this is weird.
2: We, you know, we can't, can't pick one or the other here. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. And actually, gender is really on a spectrum. We all start out as female in the womb. And it's not until a whole host of things come into play, everything from chromosomes to hormones. There's even certain hormones that have to come at the right timing. They come too early or too late. Things go bonkers. (laughs) That's for sure. And so sex is very complex and nobody's a hundred percent male. And I don't really believe anybody's a hundred percent female. We've all got a little bit of a mixture, so gender really is a spectrum.
3: <laughs> Definitely, and gender and biological sex are different too. You know, you have your gender may not match the genitals that you're that you have, or um, mm-hmm. you know,
2: your genitals may not match the ones you're born with, for that matter. Yeah. Did you encounter much? difficulty growing up with being intersex, but, and did you know when you were young? Those are both
3: really good questions. So I had to find out as an adult that I was intersex. And the way I found that out was actually going through my birth records and discovering that they had performed surgery on me as a child in order to assign me, you know, assign me as I was born, which I find pretty invasive but uh, oh me too <laughs> very unfortunate but for me my intersex condition is that I have truly ambiguous genitals basically I have each set I have a penis I have a vagina I have I have ovaries I had at one point I had testicles before they were removed surgically so a condition to that degree is exceptionally rare but still, you know, still does happen. And when I was born, I guess they looked at that and went, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know?
2: And I know that the common practice is to measure what could either be the clitoris or the penis. If it's too short for a penis, they go, oh, it's a girl. And sometimes amputate it. If it's a little too long, but not quite long enough, then things get a little tricky.
4: I'm,
2: I'm fairly confident. That's what happened to me is that, that ladder there
3: because I'm not particularly (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well-endowed as an adult, but they decided they were going to sign me mail and they sewed me up and decided I was going to be a boy. Well, they were wrong about that.
2: (laughs) And they were wrong in my case. I mean, they assigned me as male, but I would have rather kept everything and been intersex. I mean, the idea nice? that I had to be one or the other, it's like it's this binary world we live in that, oh, you can only have one of two. <laughs> Wild. Shouldn't be that way either. <laughs> And I can't tell you how many times I've talked till I was blue in the face to even pagans and people in the GLBT community saying, I didn't want to decide on a sex other than what I was born to be. And they go, oh, but you have to. And I found that just so ridiculous. I mean, why would I want to be something I wasn't born to be? It's in me. i agree i know that for me a lot of times growing up like i don't know if you had any complications but my skeletal features are a little bit more feminine or in between yet in boys pe they made me throw like a boy and do push-ups like a boy and do sit-ups like a boy and and I think it did permanent damage, especially in my shoulder and my hips. So sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've also had some some
3: complications, not, not just in medical care, in that it's really hard when you have all kinds of stuff going on inside. It's really difficult to do things like, especially in my case, for a male to female transition type of medical situation. When I got on progesterone for the first time, That's how I found out originally that I was probably intersex before I had any testing done. It triggered all kinds of PCOS symptoms for me. I was getting all kinds of terrible cramps. I was getting, my body was trying to bleed. You know, it was, uh, it was a nightmare, frankly. And uh, that's what prompted me to get tested originally. But even growing up, I always had this, this feeling that my body wasn't using testosterone correctly because I, I was always told I had a testosterone deficiency, and so they had me on injections when I was kid, and I just it never felt right. You know, my body wasn't supposed to run on testosterone. Yeah, is how it felt.
2: Yeah, and I know for me, gr- well, I never got tested or never got documented proof that I'm intersex, but I had enough proof just while well, there's scarring down there
4: <laughs> that
2: Likewise. I've never been injured or down there and can't count for it otherwise it's very faint but it's there and then i think the biggest was when i had bleeding my first year of puberty it was a big giveaway Definitely, and i even went to doctors and this was years and years ago but they ran a few tests and said oh it's nothing to worry about and I said well what is it and they said it's nothing to be concerned about. It'll go away eventually. Never did though, did it? <laughs> well, yeah, it did. It did oh, I think enough testosterone kicked in that it kind of shut down the the bleeding, the period. Wow. And so, but it was just this silence, and for me growing up. They never told me anything about it. And the other thing, I remember going to a doctor and him giving me an exam and really paying attention to my genitals and getting this kind of look on his face and smug look. And I said, is there a problem? And he said, no, everything's just fine. And it was the way he said it just. And then he took a picture. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, it seemed like he seemed real proud of something at the time. I was clueless, but it's looking back. I thought I must have been intersex because this happened when I was about four or five.
0: Wow. And,
2: yeah. And I've heard worse horror stories from people that are intersex and how the medical Community treated them. I mean, it was just barbaric.
4: Yeah, Yeah,
3: especially. Sorry, go ahead.
4: I was just gonna say, yeah, it's mutilation, and there, it, it's cut and dried. It's mutilation. It's sick and it's wrong, and it, it pisses me off so much that to fit this societal standard and norm, they're willing to do barbaric surgery to people and most of the time like when people come to find out later that they're intersex I've never heard of a single person being happy that those surgeries were done it's not something oh you'll thank me later for this because no one ever does I think
2: just the opposite I mean when I by the time I turned 15 and it's partly because I have really bad dyslexia and ADHD and partly because of the way I was treated growing up you know they forced me to play sports and tried to push me to and they go oh just man up (laughs) you can do this if you tried harder and it was like by the time I reached the age of 15 I'd become depressed suicidal and was experiencing gender dysphoria. I remember at age five, four or five, I felt uncomfortable in the men's room. So I snuck into the women's room to see if that felt better. And I felt just as alienated there. And I thought, oh, I must be some kind of alien. Maybe I was implanted by UFOs or something. (laughs) And I just felt always like such a freak of nature, (laughs) but go ahead.
3: I was going to say, I remember growing up feeling like something was wrong as well. Like my body just wasn't mine, you know, like, especially as puberty happened in my early teenage years, just every day as my voice dropped, as, you know, his hair grew, I was like, this is just wrong. Even as a kid, I remember feeling like as a young child, five, six years old, I remember thinking that I should be a girl like my sisters. Mm-hmm. And good thing I never said that too much to anybody because the times that I did, it just didn't end well because our society is just so, you know, binary and yeah, nothing can cross the binary.
2: And even as a kid playing with other kids, I was never allowed to be in the all boys club or go to the all boys little fort. <laughs> and the, I certainly couldn't go to the girls' slumber parties. Uh, that wasn't allowed. And I just felt kind of in the shadows when it came to and I knew some, I was different. Something did just, you ever did you ever get the impression
3: that the other kids knew something was different too? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I was picked on for it. <laughs> definitely. And it didn't even make sense like what, like they didn't even know what
2: was different they could just tell and yeah i definitely got a lot of that growing up too and i kind of wanted to do this show to kind of raise consciousness and awareness because a lot of people aren't real familiar with the intersex issue did when you know you're... that being
3: intersex is about as common as having red hair
2: oh yeah <laughs> I think one out of 300 babies born has some sort of intersex condition.
3: And it's not just the more severe cases like ambiguous genitals. It's things like cis women who have uh, PCOS or other, even thyroid issues can be related, can be intersex. Um, All of that can be potentially signs of an intersex condition. So it's a lot more common than people would have you think.
2: And there's just not a lot of science and research about it out there. And I think part of the problem is the medical community has kept it such a big secret. And And in this country, in the United States, there's only
3: a small handful of doctors who know much of anything about intersex conditions.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And a lot of them base their knowledge on the John Money case, which was totally falsehoods. (laughs) And... Do you want to talk about John Money a little bit, or are you familiar? I'm only marginally familiar, so I'd love to hear more about what what you've heard about it. Okay, basically, he came across a set of identical twin boys, and one of them, got his penis got fried due to a botched circumcision. And so he came along and said, let's make it a girl. And he did all the treatments surgeries everything and they dressed her up and she just she wanted boy toys she wanted she couldn't stand being feminized but he wrote it up as this huge success and said it's nurture over nature (laughs) which was total fallacy i believe she eventually committed suicide but he went through severe gender dysphoria because they kept pushing him to be something he wasn't, a girl. And with this, after that report came out, the whole medical community bought a hook, line, and sinker and, and said, well, we can make these intersex children, whatever we want to, and they just need to be nurtured into being what we assign them to be, uh, which was the gist of it. And later, they it was 20 years later, they did follow-up studies, not him, but other researchers, and found the whole thing was just bogus. Believe it. That's such a horrible, horrible story to hear. That's just cruel. Yeah. And that's what justified a lot of the Because John Money was towards the end of the 50s, early 60s. And that was what really kind of opened the door to doctors deciding, oh, I can play God and make this child whatever I want to (laughs) and I I would like to clarify there's only two intersex conditions that are pretty rare that ever require surgery that are life-threatening or health-threatening everything else if you leave it alone no surgeries no intervention they do just fine are those two Uh, it's been so long i forget i'd have to look it up but but uh they're pretty rare and i think one of them has to do with the urinary tract doesn't get routed properly and it can cause all kinds of problems because the urine doesn't exit the body properly i've heard of that one Mm -hmm. yeah And even in that case, they don't have to change the gender. They just need to fix the urinary tract. (laughs) Right. Wow. But one of the things that I got interested in this in college, I found out I was intersex when I was 23. And then I started taking... I took a philosophy course. It was philosophy of re- ancient religions. And that's when I learned about hermaphrodites that were the spiritual leaders. A lot of times they were the shamans. They, and I thought about the word shaman, she-man. <laughs> <It won't be. laughs> a lot of times the shaman was either intersex or trans
3: because it was believed that they could, by crossing the binaries of sex, could cross into the afterlife or the spiritual realms.
2: Yeah. And I think that was one of the more positive things. I'd never heard of a positive role model that was intersex until I ran across these historical documents and information and they were the healers they were the sex workers they were they ran, they were the sacred harlots often in wow. ancient days and i thought wow and in fact in ancient rome the military if after they'd been to war they could not return to the city until they went to one of the sex temples for healing And part of it was the work that these shimans, <laughs> shamans <laughs> performed. <laughs> and that just yeah. kind of gave me a whole new perspective because everything in the medical community looks at it as being diseased and being something that needs fixing. And, and since ancient times, there's been hermaphrodites.
3: And I really think we've taken a big step backwards on the concept of gender nonconformity in the last, you know, 50, 60 years. And it's, excuse me, it's getting better slowly, but surely the kids are okay. I think the generation after ours is really gonna, gonna be a lot better, but the Puritans and the certain political parties have really fought against what is frankly, the way things have always been
2: yeah and i never understood this but in christianity especially with jesus teachings he taught unconditional love and acceptance and here the creator created intersex our bodies and somehow the in modern day religion they think oh, that was a mistake. That was wrong.
3: <laughs> I do. I always have a hard time reconciling that there would be a supreme creator who, who made people and creations exactly as intended, but that they also made mistakes. Those yeah. two things don't work together in my head. You know.
2: One of the things I think, and uh, I don't know if you thought about this much, but to accept Intersex is a legitimate sex gender. Throw's a can of worms in the works. I mean, who can I legally marry? Who which bathroom can I legally use? It's the world so set up as a binary sex system. Yeah. You know,
3: as society slowly starts to separate sex and gender, it gets a little easier. You start having things like gender-neutral restrooms where Your genital configuration doesn't matter so much as your identity. And identity is part gender roles, part um, just how you see yourself and how you present yourself. And uh, we're getting there, you know, very slowly.
4: Yeah. One of the things I would like to see people get better with, though, is there's not really a good option for changing rooms most of the time. Like I know Planet Fitness is actually really good with trans issues and they actually had a case where someone tried to complain that a trans woman was in the women's changing area and they kicked out the person that was complaining and not the trans woman and like made a big stand about it but they still only have the men's changing room and the women's changing room and really don't have a non-binary option for if you don't really identify with both. We were watching this show on Netflix called Sex Education, and there's a non-binary character on that. And in, in that show, they were uh, splitting up people for sex education, men over here, women over here, and there was a non-binary person that was like well, where do I go? Uh, things like that, I'd like to see some movement on for sure.
3: Definitely, and I think maybe it goes back to what we said at the beginning here, where everything is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to we have to build our society for this identity spectrum and for the sex spectrum, not for the binary.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I think part of the problem is that our sex-negative culture tends to see in black and white a lot of times. Uh, it's good and bad, good or bad. Can't be anywhere in between on anything. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. <laughs> well, some religions include purgatory, where you get a second chance, I guess to go to the good place
3: <laughs> right well that's always with the idea of the end goal is one of the two right
2: yeah but the end goal is always binary yeah. and what i've discovered in science is that rarely in nature is there a binary it's yeah. usually a spectrum
3: <laughs> i mean goodness we have animals that reproduce asexually oh yeah you know organisms that do
4: Oh, or, or that can literally change their sex. So if there aren't enough females or males in any population, they can spontaneously change their gender. One of the things that I honestly think is a, a big answer that I'd like to see eventually is I, I don't think people need to be split up by gender most of the time anyway i think that if we got to a certain point in our evolution teaching people that seeing another person naked is not necessarily a sexual thing and everyone uses the same changing rooms everyone uses the same bathrooms like in schools like i think that people with penises should learn about the menstrual cycle and People with vaginas should learn about penises and
2: spontaneous erections.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that I think part of the problem is that we have decided that it is necessary to uh, shelter people from different aspects. And I, I think that that's completely useless.
3: I think a lot of that comes from abstinence-only sex education, where we're we're trying to teach people that human sexuality is a thing to be you know feared, or that it's only for procreation. The sex-negative society that we have, and part of the first steps of becoming a sex-positive society is teaching, you know, that there's that everybody progresses differently.
2: Mm Hmm. And we all have we're wired a little differently. I know that. I've had lovers that loved it when I would just nibble on their earlobe. And then I had one that, oh, don't get that, don't go there, (laughs) gave her the heebie jeebies, just turned her totally off. So even our bodies are wired individually, but they're wired for pleasure, to receive good, give and receive pleasure.
3: Yeah, to teach that sex is only something that should be done for procreation and only, you know, and and for that matter, that it's only for one one party's pleasure. It seems absolutely ridiculous.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think the other side of it is I do some workshops on the tantric work and on um, spiritual sexuality. And one of my beliefs and one of my exper- a lot of my experiences in sex has been that when we start getting aroused, we actually go to a higher level of consciousness. We become more aware of the present. We're more in tune with our bodies if everything's going right. Some people right. get hung up on performance issues or, but when you're really having good sex, it takes you to an amazing headspace. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> and it's not just a feel-good headspace. It's also kind of a more enlightened and connected. And I find, I've i been running Temple for over 20 years, and I've seen people fucking like bunny rabbits. And guess what I hear when people reach orgasm? Oh, God. Oh, goddess. Oh. <laughs> It becomes this divine and it's almost universal. I mean, it's like it becomes this divine statement during orgasm. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) In tune with one's higher self and also in tune with their spirituality.
2: Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. (laughs) Do you have a comment, Paul?
4: Yeah, like I know that we're kind of going off subject a little bit but one of the things that i find with sex and sexuality and like finding a more sex positive groups of people and things like that is not only do you like get closer to that spirit and that divine self but it teaches you so much about yourself. Like when I started my training with you, like uh, my confidence got much, much higher. I was able to be a lot more mindful in my everyday life, outside of my sex life. And a lot of the the things that like rewards that I've gotten through learning, more about my sexual body and about other people's sexual bodies and about how to have really good sex, like so much of it translates into the rest of my life. And it's really powerful stuff. Absolutely, it is. Mm -hmm. I have a question
2: for you. Sure. What benefits have you seen in your life of being intersex?
3: my sex life is frankly amazing. Um, <laughs> and I think I owe a lot of that to being intersex and uh, just then having discovered that because previously in the past, trying to fit into a very binary attitude about sex when I was younger, it never worked for me and I never felt right. And as I discovered that I have other parts that can be played with, or that I have things that can be stimulated and be used for stimulation. It uh, it opened up this whole other world and, uh, much like Paul said, that my confidence has risen from that. I'm more in tune with myself. I'm just more content.
2: And I find it kind of interesting. The first question asked when a baby is born, is it a girl or a boy? We're in it until we get that sex tag.
4: Let the baby decide far as I'm concerned. Oh,
2: yeah. And so I think our sex is a big part of our identity in some ways or at least it's been culturally ingrained to be i'm not for sure on that one which way it goes but
3: i agree i agree with you it's it's like we have this society that bases so much on you know on your genitals and on what sex you you are assigned and but at the same time we also encourage people to be abstinent until marriage and like, pick one. You
2: know? And then even after you get married, you're supposed to know what to do by somehow <laughs> God's word coming into your head or something. I don't know. They don't provide education on sex or how oh. to do it. Uh, I remember awkwardly fumbling around as a,
3: as a teenager trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do. That... Everybody does that.
2: Yeah. No one just knows. It's not something... I mean, they presume, I guess, that somehow your instincts will kick in and you'll know automatically, no, that doesn't happen. And I think part of the reason I'm leading up to this is that when I started discovering my body and some of the good things it did, I started having both two types, well, more than two types of orgasms, but definitely more the female type and more of the male type have you ever experienced that
3: oh absolutely and uh that's that's definitely like a highlight of my sex life too i'm multi-orgasmic i have those long drawn out high high peaks that just keep going m- more like cis female orgasms but then i also have those you know even higher sharp um quick quick peaks like that cis men often have And when you combine those two together, my goodness, it's just amazing.
2: Oh, yeah. And sometimes I've actually, well, I do edging a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I'll do extended edging sometimes for a whole day or uh, in the past. I've done it for the whole weekend. (laughs) Wow. And I've actually had extended ejaculatory orgasms that, went on for at least two to three minutes long that's amazing which i mean it, it would kind of come in burst spurts excuse the pun
1: but <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but i'd get this wave of ejaculate and i'd keep and it feels so good and i'd keep stimulating and all of a sudden another wave would hit and then another and Is like these multiple ejaculatory orgasms is incredible.
3: That is amazing. I haven't ever heard of those happening before, but now it sounds like something I feel like I have to try.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one question I have for both of y'all is, um, was there a process that, y'all went through in acceptance and like what was it like in the beginning of that process when you were still trying to come to terms with it versus like after you got through the the process of acceptance and like came to accept being intersex
3: that's a really good question For me, there was a lot of trying to figure out, like, you know, this explains a lot. Could it really be this way? Could I really be intersex? And if I am, suddenly a lot of things make sense. And then it was exploring, exploring what that means with a partner I had at the time. And uh, finally, just that acceptance that some things are going to be more difficult medically, but also that I'm so unique that that just makes me, you know, special and wonderful in my own way. And that that's just an empowering feeling, you know, more than anything else.
2: For me, it was a long process. I discovered I was intersex at the age of 23. And it explained a lot in my mind on one side, but on the other side, because I didn't have scientific proof, I felt a lot of doubt, self-doubt.
1: And I said, yeah,
2: but is this really true? And I kind of sabotaged myself for a number of years, just feeling this kind of shame. What, what if I'm really being an imposter here? And then I thought, well, who would want to be <laughs> for all the yeah. flack we get? Because I got a lot of flack from it. And it took me about eight, year, eight to ten years before I finally came out as intersex. That imposter syndrome is nasty. Oh, yeah. And it just, but it was also kind of mixed in with some gender dysphoria because I felt like I'd been, it was not exactly gender dysphoria. It was also this sense of, well, how could a doctor mutilate a baby, me, without, when I was so young? Why would they fuck with my genitals? <laughs> and then on top of that, they circumcised me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I have Frankly, that's like a trauma thing for me that, that 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 all happened to me is, you know, I was a newborn. Yeah. How could you do that? How could a doctor do that?
2: And I've read that and I know that it's common practice for infants. They don't even use anesthetics. They just yeah, usually tie, strap them down on a board and let them wail. They're going to pain spasms while they perform this circumcision. Fortunately, I restored mine, I, it, which was very empowering. <laughs> it took me a year and a half of slowly stretching it out, but and I think I bring this up because that I can't get my pussy back or at least I haven't been able to as of yet I haven't found a doctor that would leave my dick alone but give me a pussy (laughs) but I was able to restore part of the damage done and that was so empowering to finally return it to a moist membrane the head of the penis because it's meant to be And I think some of the surgeries they did did some permanent nerve damage down there. I don't know if you received any, but I know I couldn't feel anything through a condom before I restored my foreskin. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I've heard.
3: I've been pretty lucky that I haven't had too much nerve damage, but your story is not at all uncommon.
2: I didn't have a whole lot, but it's I just don't have quite the sensitivity that most people most penis owners have and it took me restoring the foreskin and returning it to a moist membrane i shed layers of skin and the nerve endings that were left intact rose to the surface i could feel more that's awesome and so if anybody out there wants to learn about foreskin restoration there is i mean there's two types there's surgical which i do not advise it's really not a good route to go and then there's the non-surgical where you slowly take about a year year and a half to slowly stretch the skin back over the head
3: there's also some uh, currently like in development methods that are non-surgical but uh, assist in the regrowth naturally of that tissue as well oh wow and those are those are very new i have a a friend who has been following those very closely for many years, I believe it uses stem cells to encourage that, that growth. And that's very exciting for people yeah. who have suffered that mutilation. Yeah.
2: That seems like a whole separate issue to a lot of people probably. But when I restored my foreskin, I felt so empowered. For the first time in my life, I had the power to correct something that the doctors did when I was an infant. And I think for those listening that are intersex, I think you'll kind of understand what I mean, that this really impacted my gender dysphoria in a big way, in a good way, where all of a sudden I felt like, okay, I do have some control over this now.
3: And there are more and more, um, I've seen some posts on Reddit, surgeons that are willing to do that surgery that leaves you you know, with both a penis and a vagina. And they're, slowly but surely, we're getting to a place where that, you know, that middle ground of gender binary and sex binary is
2: is possible. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get in touch with one of those doctors. Send me the information. And- <laughs> sure. I know there's a doctor in Austin, Texas, who
3: I, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's this one, is the one that I saw on Reddit. I'll see if I can find the info and uh, send it over and maybe you can put it in your your newsletter or the podcast
2: description or something. Well, I also do a blog on my website. And what's kind of interesting and partly why I chose this topic tonight was that a while back I did a a blog on being intersex. And I've never gotten much comments on my blogs. That one just went crazy. I mean, I'm still getting comments (laughs) I get a wow. lot of spam too, but people from all over the world are going, I'm so glad you wrote this. This gives me insight into something that should have been talked about long ago. I've also had similar experience. I found that whenever I
3: talk publicly about being intersex, I get all kinds of positive feedback and people you know, message me like, where do I learn more? I, I might be intersex too, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I- how common do you think it is that people have an intersex condition and don't realize that they do?
3: Most of the time I would say for most of us that are intersex, I think we just don't know. Like I said earlier, it's as common as red hair. I mean, how many people do you know that have red hair? Mm -hmm. It'd be like, but, but a lot of times, like I also said earlier, you know, people don't realize that things can be an intersex condition like
2: PCOS is a really common one that, Hints to, hints to something. I think another thing that happens in the medical community is they do keep it this deep, dark secret. It's not discussed, yeah. except to other practitioners in training. And then they bring this whole troop of doctors to be to come look at this intersex baby's weirdness and put them on display. and. I've heard so many horror stories about that where they just it's really shaming. And, and I know I went through some of that shaming with the doctors. I had just this whole sense of what's wrong with me. Why am I being made it such a spectacle of with my yeah. genitals? <laughs> Is anybody
3: out there hearing, you know, hearing this and thinking that same thing, you know, you're not, you're not the one that's the, that's the something's wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. You are,
2: you know, you are you. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at station over past station. But where does the time fly? <laughs> we're past station breakdown. Uh, I do want to remind people of my websites. Go to ggwilbur.com. That's two G's. W-I-L-B-U-R.com. And there I have all my sex coaching information. Then we also have the virtual Aphrodite's Temple. And that's at ladyboytemple.com. And then I have my original old website, which is ravenslayerleather.com. All one word. (laughs) And I do want to just promote that I have training videos on the sex education you didn't get in high school, but should have (laughs) everything from body image healing to how to have good anal sex, reaching those anal pleasures safely, cleanly, and with no pain. Uh, Add in techniques from Tantra and Taoist techniques to, help relax that internal sphincter muscle, which is often the main cause of pain during anal sex. So we have a lot of training videos available. And if you want to attend Aphrodite's virtual temple, you have to sign up ahead of time on the website. We do the temple every last Sunday of each month. And basically, we do half of it on discussion topic, and then the other half on practicing and trying new techniques. We've done things like mindful masturbation, teaching how to really get more in tune with your pleasure and get out of the performance issues. Anything you want to add to Station Break, Paul?
4: Another thing that you can find at the RavensLayerLeather.com website is a link to our Patreon. It helps us fund this podcast. And whether you give $1 a month or $10 a month, it will help us upgrade equipment as needed.
0: Parker, engineering your success, and back to our
2: topic. We're discussing intersex. What it is to be intersex, and I like the word hermaphrodite because, and the, where the word came from, Hermes, the god Hermes, and the goddess Aphrodite had a baby that was intersex, and hence the name hermaphrodite. And if you want to learn more about the spiritual side of hermaphrodite, there's a book by Raven Caldera called Hermaphrodites. It's hard to pronounce. <laughs> it's about the hermaphrodite gods and goddesses. that, And some of the creation myths. The, the hermaphrodite goddess fucked herself and gave birth to the universe. And all kinds of different information about how third gender and kind of people that don't really fall within the black and white throughout history have had groups and spiritual leanings that were very powerful and influential in their day.
3: Absolutely.
2: Also, check that book out. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it's Hermaphrodites. And the Raven Caldera. He also wrote Dark Moon Rising. I forget the. It's a long title. Uh, Uh,
4: I I know the first part is Dark Moon
2: Rising. Yeah, and it's a book on basically pagan rituals and rites around. Alternative Sexuality. <laughs> so those are both really good books to kind of check out. He includes different sex rituals and rites of passage and even facing some of your fears and overcoming some of the difficulties in life through enacting rituals and even role scenes. For anyone who's listening, that book is called Dark Moon Rising, Pagan BDSM,
3: and the Ordeal Path.
2: Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And I, I love the idea of the ordeal path. I mean, if you look at just about any writings out there, fiction, you have the hero that has to go on this ordeal path and overcome obstacles to become the hero. It's kind of behind every story out there to some degree or another. And I think part of going on the ordeal path, and it has to be a real ordeal for you, it does kind of build that strength and self-assurance and that self-confidence when you go on an ordeal path. And it's something I've set up for Paul and his training. And I'll let Paul talk a little bit about that. I know we're getting a little off topic, but but I think that having that, I know that in ancient day temples, they had rites of passage rituals. Everything from coming of age, when you first reach puberty, to when you became... Handfasted. fasted it wasn't called marriage in many cultures it was hand fasted and then they had the red tent for girls to learn about their mean time their menstrual time and for boys they had the i think it's been called different things in different um pagan traditions but basically to develop as a Uh, the male warrior, the strong man to go out and support the tribe. (laughs) And I think there is this sense of tribe that we've lost in modern culture. And I think that one of the things that studying some of the ancient writings of many of the shamans in the past, third gender people, is that we are a tribe. We are connected at some level. And to be more connected is very empowering. Any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, definitely. You'll find that, uh, or you'll hear the phrase, you know, it takes a village. You know, humans were never meant to be solitary creatures. We were never supposed to raise our young by ourselves. It's all, it Historically, it's always been tribes or groups of people working together. And uh, the modern day and age, we've had so much of this uh, culture of individualism and uh, isolation that we've lost a lot of that human connection that is so important to us as humans.
2: And during station break, I mentioned after the virtual Aphrodite's temple and Part of my vision for that is for it to become a community, to let the community grow and develop as it will by the members of the community. And I want it to be community-driven, where we really bring in not just my expertise, but where we can bring in other experts in human sexuality and provide a lot more than just uh time to get your rocks off so to speak
4: <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that
2: no nah, i love getting my rocks off <laughs> good time for all all involved
4: mm-hmm.
3: you mentioned third gender people during during that as well and uh, it's amazing how many cultures have had a third gender or a gender fluid type uh, identity just built into their culture. I'm not um, an expert on Indigenous people, so I won't speak too much on that, but that is definitely something that I've heard of in those cultures. You've had the, the ancient Greeks with their, their temple, temples, as you mentioned at the beginning. Frankly, we're the only culture that doesn't have that.
2: Yeah. And I think we lose something because those third gender influences really seeped into a lot of areas of ancient life. Everything from the arts, to music, to storytelling, to even spirituality. And a lot of the spiritual healers for the shamans, uh, third gender that that were able not only to Cross over into the spirit realm, but also I think it helps on intuition, being able to, and empathy, being able to sense where a person is and sense what's wrong, and say, "Well, let me nudge you in this direction, in this you might find healing." And and it's through that kind. Of, and I think that as hermaphrodites and third gendered people we are a little bit more in tune with our intuition or i think just surviving this culture as third gender kind of builds it into us i think in exploring yourself enough to discover that that you
3: are in some way gender nonconforming you do have to become more in tune with yourself because that takes such a deep amount of exploration whether or not that's confronting gender dysphoria or finding gender euphoria because you don't necessarily need to have that dysphoria to be trans or gender non-conforming. Sometimes it's just a matter of you find something that feels better. I like vanilla ice cream, but then I try chocolate ice cream and I really like chocolate ice cream. Mm
4: -hmm. I think that another strength that non-binary people have is in helping to heal communities and deal with group dynamics i think being non-binary like i can understand the the macho like military guys i can understand super leftist feminist type people and i can understand those energies and i also understand that There's a place in the world for for masculinity and there's a place in the world for femininity and that a lot of times people who are too stuck in one like one realm or the other have a hard time understanding the other side. And I think being non-binary, like I, I know that even from a young age. When there would be a problem in my friend group, I would always be the person that people would come to for advice in dealing with these group dynamics, because I was able to see it from both sides. And a lot of times, like being able to understand both femininity and masculinity very well and being able to articulate it to people who don't understand, I've found very, very helpful. And I've noticed that a lot of the communities I'm part of are very open communities where non-binary people tend to flock. But I've noticed that a lot of times uh, in the groups that I'm a, a part of, there are are non-binary people in places of, in like helping roles that are community outreach roles that can help bridge those divides when they happen.
2: Ah, that's, that's
1: awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm.
4: I think another
2: attribute that I've discovered in myself and a lot of people that are third gender or non-binary is resiliency we're able to go through one motherfucker of a hell and come back and recover pretty damn quickly. (laughs) Do you find that to be true for yourself? I do. And I think,
3: I think that could almost spill over into people who've had to endure trauma from society too. you know, survivors of abuse. um, You know, all of that breeds resiliency for better or for worse. Right. Sometimes you don't want to be that, that resilient, strong person, but society's forced you to Mm -hmm. or you know the ordeal has forced you to but i have noticed that having done that exploration of my gender i'm i'm far more confident in myself and in uh you know who i am as a person and for that i'm more resilient
4: Mm -hmm.
2: do you see any other benefits from being intersex um i mean it's always
3: a conversation topic (laughs) Okay. <laughs> there's always always something i can i can teach people right mm-hmm. um i found that it becomes very easy to bond with other people who are intersex or think they might be intersex there's like this shared experience there that i've met some very close friends just by "Hi, i'm intersex oh me too mm-hmm. in some way and i've met some very close friends that way just by that shared experience. And I think that's very powerful in life.
2: And it gets back to that sense of tribe, forming a tribe.
4: (laughs) One of the things that I find being non-binary is it's a pretty easy way to filter out people I'm going to get along with, or whether I'm just not going to get along with someone If I tell them that I'm non-binary and they have an immediate visceral negative reaction to it, I haven't had to waste two hours of my life trying to figure out whether they're a decent person or not before knowing I can trust them.
3: Yeah, they kind of just out themselves as a person you don't want to be around. huh? yeah. Had similar experiences with telling people I was intersex, you know, I get, ai have heard, well, that's not real. Or, well, I've heard both as intersex and tra- when I came out as trans, well, you must be like a real life food which is a little offensive. I have to say. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many t- times I spent telling people well i'm not really a real boy i'm intersex around campfires and pagan gatherings and in many alternative even in the glbt community now the bisexual community's been a little bit more accepting of it a lot more accepting than the gay and lesbian but but i've talked about it and people see what's between my legs when I'm naked or see that I don't have the right pokey parts. <laughs> and they think, oh, this is someone who's a boy. And it was really frustrating for a number of years. But I kept at it. And I kept talking to different groups and saying, you know, I really am hermaphrodite. I really have a lot of the feminine as well as the masculine. And it was a couple of years ago the elder women of one of the pagan organizations I belong to came up to me and said, you know, you're you're getting a little older now. We would we were wondering if you would like to have both a saging and croning ritual combined. Mm-hmm. And pagan tr- traditions, being saged is reserved for males only. Being going through the crowning ritual is for females only. And that was the first time I was officially by a group recognized as intersex.
3: That must have been very affirming.
2: Oh, it was. It was I had tears going down my face. I bet that's <laughs> amazing. Just this. And it was such an honor to be asked. And we did the crowning, saging ritual. And all the people that attended were just so touched by the ritual. And a lot of them knew me pretty well. And, but they just were really touched at a deep level. Because I shared a lot of what it was to be hermaphrodite as part of the ritual. And it was a very amazing experience to go through, to receive that honor of, well, we're going to honor both the male and female within you. Have you ever had experiences like that with not necessarily groups, but with people you know?
3: Hmm. Let me think. Um, There have definitely been people who, and groups who have, um, you know affirmed my intersex status in some way or another whether whether that be sexually or welcoming me into groups of um of you know mostly women or mostly men and acknowledging that i have characteristics of both it is it's very affirming mm-hmm. when i have that acknowledged or affirmed in some way
2: and i'm bringing this out because so often when we get into intersex discussions. We only like the medical field. We focus too much on just the negative. And I like to reinforce there are positives. There is a very positive side of being intersex.
3: Absolutely. And we're pretty unique. And that goes a long way too. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, we're coming to the top of the hour. Any last comments from or Anything you want to add to the intersex or even to non-binary discussion?
3: I'm most going to pull up the Intersex Foundation. There's actually like a foundation for people like us, the ISNA, the Intersex Society of North America, if you're trying to learn more about being intersex or think you might be intersex. That's probably a great place to start. And that's isna.org.
2: And there's a better one. It's the UK Intersex Society. They are much more supportive of people that want to be both, that don't want to choose. Uh, I noticed the Intersex Society of North America tends to still try to push people in a being either one or the other.
3: Thank you for putting that out. I actually didn't know
2: that. Oh, I went through a little bit of a battle with them at one point. And not Keep to that say in mind. That they do give
4: some good information, but they are a little bit still biased. So I think that it has been really amazing, like, getting to know you, Gigi, and I just met you recently, Kayla, but getting to know you, and I've had a few other intersex friends. I had a friend that I went to high school with who wasn't openly intersex at the time, but then years later, I ran back into them and found out they were intersex, and like learning... There are just so many different ways for people to be in the world. And I think that for a long time, intersex people have felt the need to hide who they are, uh, to claim to be either male or female, to just make life go a little more smoother, to not get a bunch of questions, to not get treated like they have three heads. And I think that one of the nice things with Kayla, you were talking a little bit earlier about how this next generation that is coming up is a lot more open-minded and a lot better at researching the different ways of being open about it. And I'm seeing that people are able to be openly intersects now in a way that I don't think was really available to before. And I think that that's really, really awesome. And I, I love where things are going. And I am so happy that the world that we occupy is slowly, but surely getting better. Beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Do you have any last comments?
3: Nothing uh, specific to being intersex, but I just want to thank y'all for having me oh you know, on God. your show today. And I had a wonderful time talking with y'all.
2: And I would like to kind of end this show on a really positive note. It was a year or two ago, maybe three now. The surgeon general put out a, a proclamation that doctors should Quit performing surgeries on infants. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a mandate, but it was just a proclamation. But that's the first step to ending this. It's it's the first step to ending the, the, for lack of a better word, just the mutilations that occur. And this occurs daily. I mean, there's that many intersex babies born. (laughs) <laughs> at least it's somewhere true. in the world
3: and more and more uh, countries are banning infant genital mutilation mm-hmm. you know more progressive countries than the united states
2: and i think that we are awakening uh we're coming finally out of the dark ages of sex we're starting to see a, I think a new wave of sexual enlightenment and that's, exciting. that's happening, right? Especially with the youth out there. Absolutely.
3: It's inspiring.
2: And on that note, have those wonderful nocturnal emissions. Touch yourself. Enjoy the pleasures of the body, the pleasures of flesh. It can take you places And help you reach a higher consciousness, a higher way of knowing yourself
1: and your partner,
2: a higher connection with all.
1: Have a good night. Good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me and developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show